Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Let's welcome Baba. Let's pray up and uh, we'll get going. Yeah, Lord, we just, uh, well, we just love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here this morning, Jesus. You're so awesome. Holy Spirit, you're the one that brings uh, revelation and understanding and you open eyes. Uh, you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to understand. Do that now. I just anoint, anoint these words. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. I'm really excited about uh, this Sunday. It's a, it's going to be special. It really is. And uh, I, I was going to tell y'all, we, were, uh, we, uh, we have a staff meeting every week. And during our staff meeting, maybe a month ago, we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, I just want to, we want to pray into what the Holy Spirit's wanting us to do for Palm Sunday and Easter, you know, I, we just don't want to just come in, and I was, I had been praying into it, and I was like, you know, well, we'll we want to read about, uh, you know, the triumphal entry and Palm Sunday, and then read about the resurrection and all that, and, and we kind of saw that maybe Palm Sunday and Easter were like a series, a step one and a step two. And in the time that I was praying into it, felt like the Lord said, don't just talk about the resurrection, demonstrate it. Show it. Show what's going on. That there's resurrection power in us and for us, and it's not just talk. It's about power. And it's happening all around for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And so that's the tee up for this Sunday. We're going to focus on one way the Lord has absolutely dump trucked me. Uh, and you're going to hear about it in a minute. We got the Siddons here. And the, is it, let's see, it's the, the Brooks are here as well. Uh, and you're going to hear about a, the miracle of Wesley House in just a little bit. And they, they came from Birmingham. It's just crazy. And I was like, you guys got to hear what's happening in our midst, okay? And so, we want to tee this up with some scripture. You got your Bibles, read, uh, open them up, and look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. And here's, this is a prayer that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. So it's like, we can claim this. This is a prayer for us. Okay, And so Paul says in verse 18, chapter 1 of Ephesians, I pray that your hearts will be... Now this is the NLT, New Living Translation. You may have a different translation. I looked at a couple and I like this one the best. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And then he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What Paul just said right there, he's praying. He's praying for the church. He's saying, I pray that you will get it. You get the revelation and the understanding that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is for us today. That's a game changer. 
If we catch that revelation, then the problems that we walk in, the issues in Selma, whatever, we have a different lens that we look at that through. Because if, if the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available today, I, I'm totally different. I'm not walking on my own. I'm not fighting the fight by myself. I'm not overwhelmed. I may be, I may be, I may be pressured and pressed, and Paul says that too, but I'm not defeated. I'm going to win. And so Paul is praying that for the church. And today, that is really the tee-up for what we're going to be talking about. We've said, Jesus is alive. Nia, you did this awesome. You did a great job with communion. It was beautiful and teed up. We didn't talk, but you just teed this up. So great. Um, that Jesus is alive today. He's not dead. He's not past tense. He's alive by his spirit today. And what that means is his spirit his power, resurrection power, it's for us. It's available today if we believe. Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 5. You don't have to look, but I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, he says, uh, there, there will be people that will have a form of godliness, but they will deny God's power. Today and next, next Sunday on Easter, we ain't going to be those people. We're going to be honoring and celebrating and recognizing and believing and testifying about the power of God working in the hearts of people here and in our midst. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Nia, you just shared a great example. Y'all may not know, but Miss Barbara, Barbara Miles, had, a, had a, a heart. She felt like the Lord told her to get Bibles for uh, R.B. Hudson. And she told a women's group. And then they did it. The church bought Bibles based on a word that the Holy Spirit gave Miss Barbara. And look at, look at what happened. We just bought a bunch of Bibles and gave them to the teachers. And look at what happened. Now that is resurrection power that's at work in our midst now. It's not, it's not in the future and it's not in the past. It is in our midst now. Amazing. There's more. You can't have Palm Sunday without reading the triumphal entry. It's just too good, okay? And I want to tell you all, I got, I got a, a curveball this week as I was reading it. I have always read that story. I wasn't like you, Mary. You thought it was a cool story. I thought it was a story about dread and defeat and poor Jesus heading to his death. And ooh, you know, it's like foreboding. And oh, he knows what's fixing to come. Well, this week, I got that flipped on its head. Now, you may have always seen it like I'm going to share, but I didn't. But I see it differently, and I want to share this new perspective that I have on it with you today. So let's read it in chapter 21 of Matthew. The title above the paragraph says, Jesus' Triumphal Entry. Remember that. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives. I don't know if that's how that you pronounce that, but y'all don't either, except maybe Dr. Light, and so we're good to go here. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anybody asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw his garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And in, in the NIV, it says a large crowd gathered. It's a big crowd. This was, this was an Alabama-Auburn football game crowd, you know? It was like humongous, big crowd. And everybody's taking their coats off. 
throwing them on the road in front of the donkeys. They're cutting branches off the palm trees and waving them. And they spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. The, um, the NIV says uh, blessings of, or um, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Uses the word Hosanna. I like that word. All right, and so for me, I, you know, I was thinking Jesus kind of slithered or, or withered into Jerusalem you know, with dread and defeat and all that. Not so. This is how Roman conquerors came into a city when it was, when it was defeated. They came in like bad to the bone. They had processions. People, you know, put coats down. They waved. They cheered. It was, it was the procession of a conqueror, not a defeated person that gets whipped and put on the cross. Now that had to happen. But Jesus came in hot to Jerusalem. He did. He came in hot like a bad mama jamma. Like the king that he is, he came in. And everybody recognized it. And I want to read... In Matthew and the NIV, I think it's Matthew. I hope it is. If it didn't, we'll go on. Hang on just a second. Now, it's in Luke. It's in Luke, but I can tell you what it says. The Pharisees, the religious hoity-toities, when the crowd's going crazy yelling, Hosanna, the king's coming. He's coming to, to conquer the world, to set us free and all that. The religious hoity-toity said, Jesus, stop telling them to stop. They can't say that. That's blasphemy. And Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. If they don't shout, the stones themselves will cry out. Jesus was recognizing that this was, this, was, this was a victory march. It was a victory march. And he came in full of confidence as a king does. Not as, oh, I dread what's about to happen. Wasn't that at all. It's prophetic evidence of what's about to happen. In the law, when you go to law school, you learn a bunch of Latin phrases and stuff, and people think you're smart because you know them, but nobody knows them until they go to law school, so it's like doctors, you know, uh, hematoma. Come on. It's a bruise, right? Okay. Well, in the law, we say, it's, a, it's an exception to the hearsay rule, judge. It's all about the race gesti. Race gesti means... It's done together, something like that. And so when an event happens and there's testimony about it, if it all was one, a part of one event, it might have happened a little afterwards or whatever, but it's a whole series that's counted together. You can get the evidence in because it happens so close together. It's like one thing, even though it's a number of little things. Okay? Well... When I was doing this, I, was, I heard the word race gesti. Palm Sunday is the race gesti of Holy Week. It all started right then. But the crucifixion and the resurrection and then 50 days later at Pentecost, that's the race gesti. You can't look at one without the, all of them together. So this is the beginning of the end for the enemy. This is the appointed time that Jesus kicks Satan's butt and takes numbers. It is. And, and he came in like it. He came in hot. So Palm Sunday 
It's like, come on. I want to hit somebody, you know? When I get fired up about something, you just, you know, like in football, you just want to hit somebody, right? Maybe girls, y'all just, I don't know what y'all want to do. Maybe you want to hit us. I don't know. <laughs> but guys can resonate with that, you know? Maybe y'all girls want to hit somebody with a frying pan. I don't know. That's not, I'm not trying to be misogynistic. I don't know. I better quit. I'm getting in trouble. But you know what I'm saying? This is like, come on, come on, you know? It's the beginning of the covenant of grace. It's the beginning of mercy. It's the beginning of forgiveness of sins. It's beginning of freedom. It's beginning of the life that we have when the Holy Spirit fills us. It's a whole different ballgame after, after this happens. The world got turned on its head and it started... You can go back to Jesus' birth, but the immediate events, the race gesti, started today. Jesus is alive. He is. I can testify to that because I know what happened to me. I went to church for 35 years, and then I encountered the living God, and I ain't never been the same since. He's here today. He is alive. He is all-powerful. I've seen, I've seen his miracles. I've watched him with my own two eyes. He is not a namby-pamby God. I thought for the many years as a, as, a, as a believer, because I saw stained glass with Jesus as a little fat baby with a halo around his head, I thought he was some pudgy little weak fat baby. You know what Revelations describes him? He says he's on a white horse. He's got a tattoo on his, on his thigh that says faithful and true. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. His eyeballs burn like bronze on fire. This guy is not to be messed with. And he's not to be messed with for his people. He's not mad at us. He's mad at the enemy. He's for us. And by his spirit, he lives in us and he lives with us. And what is available to us is resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's right here. It's right here. Now that's the truth. That is the truth. Jesus' kingdom is advancing. It was advancing on Palm Sunday. That's, that was the physical manifestation. You know, Christians, we're the weirdest people in the world. We really are. You got to admit it. Peter says in the book of Peter that we're a peculiar people. Well, we are. We believe in parallel realms. We believe in a natural world, but at the same time, we believe in an unseen spiritual realm that's more real than the natural. It's the craziest thing in the world, but it's true. And we believe that. And when we pray our prayers on earth going to heaven, they come back down. There's a, there's a cause and effect going on all the time between the two realms. Just think about the Lord's Prayer if you're, if you're scratching your head on that one. Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus recognized the two realms in the Lord's Prayer. We've said it a million times and not even known what we were saying, but we are affirming when we say that the two realms. And when Jesus rode in, uh, into Jerusalem on the donkey with everybody going nuts, he was in the earth doing that, but he's recognizing in the spirit realm, all hell is breaking loose. Literally. And he, he loosed his spirit for those of us who believe that we can grasp this, you enter the kingdom of heaven like a child. You just believe. You just believe and you've stepped into the spirit realm. And so when that problem comes up or that situation that is hopeless or that, that disappointment or that pain, that painful thing or whatever, if you believe Jesus is alive and that he's all-powerful and that resurrection power is right here, it's available for you, and you believe it, you step into it as a conqueror. You don't slither into it. Defeated. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven is advancing today. 
just like it did on, on uh, Palm Sunday years ago. There's a line in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And for those that haven't read it, it's a children's book that C.S. Lewis, one of the probably the greatest Christian author in the 20th century, wrote. And it's a, about a, three kids in England, and, and they live in a place where they can go through a wardrobe, like a amoir, a closet. They can walk through it, and they're in a fantasy land called Narnia. And there, there's a white witch who represents the devil, and she's in there, and she controls Narnia, and it's frozen. She's mean, she's nasty, and it's everything's frozen. But Aslan, or Aslan, as the British call him, Aslan, he's a lion, and he's the representation of Jesus. And all in this in this story, the the animals can talk. And so, in one of the scenes in the book. There's a beaver family, and the beaver daddy comes into the beaver den. And he's out of breath, and he says, I've just heard the news. Aslan is in Narnia, and he's on the move. Friends, Jesus is in Selma. And he's on the move for those who believe. He's in your circumstance, in your situation. You are not defeated and you are not stuck because resurrection power has been released for us. Wow. Wow. When Jesus enters a community, or a life. I'm living proof. God changed. I can't tell you how I changed and my priorities changed. When I was a little boy, I walked to bird school. Jimmy, you'd remember bird school. You probably went to Edgewood or someplace like that or Meadowview. But I went to bird. And I can still remember there's a, there's a plant called sweet olive or tea olive. Y'all know the sweet smell. And... Uh, our next door neighbor has some in his yard and Robert has some in their front yard. When I get a whiff of that, I immediately go back. I can see it. It's in front of uh, Dr. Thompson and uh, Betty Calloway's house on King Street. That's where I am in my mind when I get a whiff of that. It changes, it changes my perspective. It changes where I am in my thoughts and my heart. I get a whiff of that and I just go there. You know what I'm talking about. You get a whiff of something. Uh, Ann and Chanel number five. I smell that. I think about Ann. I do. It's my favorite. Jesus is that aroma. He's like sweet olive. He's like Chanel number five. When he enters the room, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. That's what he is doing. This is a now word. This is not a wishful word. It's happening all around. One of the ways when Jesus shows up, like sweet olive, a scent of sweet olive, or Chanel number five, when Jesus comes up, you just get some things. I've used this metaphor a million times, but I remember going to Cress's downtown. They had a candy counter. They had popcorn, they had snow cones and all that. It was air conditioned. Not many stores were air conditioned at the time. You could go in there and I would order sometimes a box of Cracker Jacks. And the lady would give it to me. And y'all, if you've ordered Cracker Jacks, you know the first thing you do. You're digging for that little bitty toy, that little army man, that little, little motorcycle, that little ring, whatever's in there. It's worth less than a penny in today's currency. It is so cheap, but that's the first thing you do. You're digging for it. And I didn't have to tell the lady behind the counter, hey, don't forget to put the toy in the Cracker Jack box. When I ordered the Cracker Jacks, it just came with it. It came with the package. Jesus is the same. When he shows up, things happen. And there's certain things out of the scripture that you know if Jesus is in your midst, you're going to start seeing these things happen. 
You don't have to ask for it. It just comes with the package. In a minute, we're going to highlight one of the things. The miracle of Wesley House is one of those things. I want you to, I want you to see this in the scripture. Isaiah 61, look at it. It's a prophecy about Jesus. Hey, Dano, would you hold that up for me for a second, please? Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 4. And here it is right here. We have it hanging in our church in the Moravian room. It's a prophetic word that has been spoken over this house that people, that our house here will be a place where people can experience Isaiah 61. Thank you, Dano. Here's what it says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is about Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. How many times have we said we want to see Selma come alive? Well, there's the prescription right there. That's it. Jesus read this same scripture. If you'll flip over to Luke. He read it to his home church. Luke chapter 4. Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit comes down on him. He goes to the desert for 40 days, kicks uh, Satan in the, in the rear end. And he comes home. He comes back to uh, Nazareth in the power of the Spirit. That's what Luke says. He came back and the power powered up. He goes to church. And back then they had scrolls and the people gave him a scroll. He asked for the scroll of Isaiah and he found this scripture. And he said, the scroll, he, he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled it and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is in Luke 4 verse 17. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon on me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and reclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this scripture's about me. When I show up, this is what happens. This is it. I set people free. I heal broken hearts. I proclaim good news to people. I give people hope. I give, I give a, a change of perspective. I enter in and I change everything. When I show up, this comes with the package. You don't have to ask for it. So, next couple of weeks we'll be talking about evidence of the power of God in our midst. And today we're going to focus on the miracle of Wesley House. I'm going to tell you briefly the story of what happened and then you're going to hear some testimonies of some of the people involved. And uh, I hope and pray that you catch what's happened here. Back in December... I got call after call after call early December from people that were struggling with addiction and wanted to get clean. They needed help, and they wanted help. They loved the Lord. It's just, it was just hard. They're struggling. Call after call after call. I, I think five or six, at least five. And so I'm, I'm thinking, well, Lord, if this is you, you know, 
I'll help, but I don't know if this is you. So I prayed about it, and I, and, and I would be out on my land walking. I'd be praying about it, and then I'd, I'd hop in my whip. I'd, I'd ride around town looking for houses. I was looking on Zillow and, you know, where can we do this? I was talking to Ann about it, you know, and, and nothing, nothing. And I see as I'm looking in the magazines and stuff, I see Jimmy Sidden's office over there on Washington Street. Hadn't talked to Jimmy. Love Jimmy. He's my sister's age, and Lee. They're awesome. I know. I know your family. They're just awesome. Known them for years, and um, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe I even took Matt over there, and I took uh, Jason, who lives there now, over there, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And so I'm walking in the woods, and I said, All right, Lord, I have done everything I know to do, and I'm hitting a brick wall every time. If you want this to happen, you got to do it. And so I said, okay, you gave Gideon a fleece, here's my fleece. I'm going to call Jewel Williamson, who's the realtor that is handling the house for the Siddons. And I'm going to tell her, I don't have any money. I don't have anything. All I got is a dream and a need. And Lord, if you want this to happen, you got to make it easy. And so I told Jewel, and she was like, well, what do you want me to say? I said, Jewel, I ain't got a penny. <laughs> and she was like, well, okay, all right. She called Jimmy, cutting a, cutting a lot out, called Jimmy, and she said, she called me back, and she said, call him. He's very receptive to this. And so multiple conversations where we end up, Jimmy says, you can take immediate possession of the house, you can move people in immediately. It's yours, and I'll give it to you. Just get me an appraisal. How does that happen? I, when I talked to him, I said, Jimmy, I ain't got a dime to my name, but we got people with need. And I don't know. And that happened. And so I'm like, holy, this is crazy. All right? And so... We begin working on that. Things begin to happen. And at the same time, I've got two guys that are my friends and also kind of like adopted sons, Jason and Dan, that you'll hear from in just a second. I know they need a place like this. It's, it's something in their lives that they really needed where there's mentorship and there's, there's help with figuring things out and getting jobs and moving on and becoming productive, not just a program where it's a bubble, but a place where they can learn to live in community and succeed in the community. And I know they're needing it. And so I keep telling them, hang on, it's coming, it's coming. We don't have a stick of furniture. We don't have anything. And the day we go over to clean up the place, and we're going to have to go to Junebugs and buy mattresses. I called. I, I, was, I said, something's happened to me. I'm thinking we had some beds and stuff at the intern house that we had years ago. We may still have something there. So I called John Robertson, who was living in the house, and I said, do, do, does the intern house, do, do we still have furniture over there? He said, yeah, there's all kinds of furniture. He said, matter of fact, we're moving out today. If y'all come over today, you can have it all. Well, we do that. We, we make multiple loads back and forth, and by the end of the day, we've got three bedrooms furnished, we've got the living room furnished, and we're set up, and they can spend the night there. Okay? We don't have any money, so I'm like, Lord, how are you going to do this? Yeah, you know, I hadn't said a word to anybody. You know, and so there's money that starts bubbling up. And somebody, I won't call their name out, gave me a check for $5,000 right over here and said, use it for what you want to. And I told him what was going on. He said, I told you to use it for what you wanted. And so by the end of the week, I had $8,400 in the account to buy refrigerators and stoves and washers and dryers and all the things that needed. And within a week's time, we had all that stuff in there. How does this happen? I mean, it's just like rolling. I, I come in, I say, you ain't gonna believe what happened today. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, my, my buddy and new adopted son, Joseph Parkman, starts getting, he's living in Atlanta. So 
he's been there for 150 years. <laughs> Selma isn't on his radar, right? Wrong. All of a sudden, he says the Lord is leading him to come to Selma. He's feeling really strong about it. I don't even know it. He's been talking to Matt about it. And Matt says, have you talked to Joseph? And I said, about what? He said, I think he wants to move to Selma. The Lord's calling him to Selma. He's going to quit his job and come over here. And I said, is he crazy? And so I called him, and he, he comes, and we sit down to talk. And I said, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any idea. I'm just coming on faith, and yada, yada, yada. And then, then I say, well, I got an idea. I don't know if this would jive with you. But I said, we need somebody to help run this reentry house, this transition house. And he said, for 15 years, that has been the dream of my heart. How does that happen? This is a guy that God sent here that this is what he wanted to do, and there's no salary. There's no nothing. He's just coming. He's going to run the house because it's in his heart to do it. It's amazing. And then I talked to Jimmy, and he says, hey, we've got, you know Nancy Powell. Nancy's here. She's a Selma girl. Everybody loves Nancy. Got the, one of the best. We're really, everybody that grew up here loves Nancy. We love you now, Kent. <laughs> You're her husband. And Jimmy said, you ain't going to believe this. I was telling Nancy and Kent, we ate supper with them the other night. Lee and I did. And Kent heard about it. He said, he's going to help furnish the whole house. And I was like, what? On and on and on and on and on. We've got two guys living in the house now. One's coming next week. And Jason and Dan are two of the finest men you will ever meet. They've got jobs. I'm not going to steal their thunder. They're going to come up in just a second. And they're going to tell you from their perspective about the miracle of Wesley House. Dano, would you come up and share? If it's hot, we can turn the air conditioner on for a minute. I know it gets cold when we do. Could somebody handle that, please? Hey, how y'all doing? Y'all got to bear with me. Um, not used to speaking in front of people. Uh, anybody that knows me, I'm not this type of person. But um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I've been in and out of Selma for couple years I went through Teen Challenge in 2019 and uh, got out and just wasn't <clears throat> wasn't obedient really and I learned a lot there and uh, just went back to my my old ways and pretty much just past three years have been like really bad um, <clears throat> bad relationships um, Got on, got on some pretty hard drugs. I was doing uh, fentanyl and uh, meth, and it just got so miserable. I was just waking up every day, thinking, "Is this going to be it? This, this going to be my last day?" And kind of wanted it to be. And uh, so I was one of the people that called Bob. Around, around December, and uh, I was like, "Man, I'm, this is it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna make it very long." And uh, we said, "Hold on, just hold on." And uh, meanwhile, I just, <clears throat> like I said, going through bad relationships, and one in particular, I was put out on the street, um, just pretty much place to place in Birmingham. And, it was, it was pretty close to the end, but um, Bob, you know, one day, all of a sudden, he came, and he's like, man, come on. I said, thank God. <laughs> and uh, the first day I was there, I was like, man, this is awesome. It's crazy how fast everything started happening. And uh, I did, uh, detoxed myself off the fentanyl, which was about the closest I can describe to hell on earth. And uh, went through that. Couldn't get out of bed for like a week. And uh, I came through it. And uh, 
Let's see. It just, what this house gave me, I told Jason this the first day, I was like, man, this is hope right here. And that's what it still is, is hope. I've got the, the job of my dreams right now. I love it, um, which is uh, surveying, land surveying. And uh, I love it. And uh, God just blessed me so much. It's hard to believe, like, since December, how much has happened. Uh, you know, I went from near death to got the job of my dreams. And, uh, man, I'm just, just so happy and thankful, thankful for Bob. He, you know, this is not the first time he's pulled me out of uh, near death. But uh, just thankful and uh, thank God. And that's it. Thank you all. Jason? This is Jason Green. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. So uh, a few months ago, uh, I was in a, a pretty dark situation. I had a job where um, I was bound from practicing my faith. I could not read the word. I could not pray. I could not listen to worship music, uh, and I definitely could not speak of anything to do with my faith, spirituality, or religion. It got to the point to where uh, even my clothing was discarded and thrown in a dumpster to prevent me from coming to church. That included my passport, driver's license, and social security card. What it did not account for was uh, I had a spiritual father who was not scared of another religion. I had a spiritual father who whipped right in there and said, hey, something's coming. Something's coming. Something's going to happen. You're going to get out of this situation. And that's exactly what happened. Now, to talk about the Wesley House within five minutes is a little bit difficult, so y'all bear with me. There's a lot to say in five minutes, y'all. Hey, Mr. Jimmy. There's so much to say. Miss Ann, I love you. There's so much to say. But let's get back to the Wesley House. So, I have to do something really quick. I don't think anyone here will be uncomfortable, but if you have prayed for me, if you have reached out to me, if you have covered me with assistance, love, and help in the past three months, can you stand up for just a second, please? Mr. Jimmy, that's because of you. That's what God has used you as a vessel for. And that is the reason why I am standing here today. I didn't come straight from a cushy position to the Wesley house. It actually began in a hospital bed, and I was almost dead. But now I stand before you, and I'm the director of communications for the Dallas County System of Services. I'm a corresponding contributor to the Dallas County Black Belt News Network, and I'm a journalist. I mean, what in the world? That is all because of God. And I'm not saying that. You can ask anyone around me if I like to brag about myself, and they're going to tell you it takes a cattle prod to get me up here. I do not enjoy attention being on me. That's why I like to write about other people. But it's because of God that he brought me into a situation where I had to learn one thing. I had to learn the power of his love. Now, we talk about love all the time. We can preach about love all the time. But until you feel God's love, the magnitude of that love, and what that love can do, you will never know true resurrection power. In my past, I have been resuscitated. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. You can be resuscitated, get away from addiction. You can be brought back to live a good life. You can have a good job. But then you're going to find yourself having the same wounds from your past reappear that wasn't addressed to begin with, and you're going to go straight back down the same path. So what's different? That's a question I've been asked a lot lately. What's different is everyone in this room who just stood up. When I first started working in my new position, someone made a comment to me, and they said, you are so underqualified to do that. Yeah, you're right. And then without knowing it, my spiritual father stood in front of me having a conversation. He said, man, it's so awesome what you're doing right now. I said, man, I hope I just don't mess up. 
He said, okay. It's so awesome what you're doing right now. And guess what? You're going to mess up. Guess what? You're going to have a day at work where they probably say, hey, do better. You're going to have some that boys. But if you mess up, guess what doesn't change? Everyone in this room who just stood up. Everyone in this room who through Wesley House has projected love, power, and prayer into my life. Everyone who watches me, everyone who speaks to me, everyone who loves me in my life. And that is what the Wesley House is all about. Empowering men and women in order to live the life they were called to live. We watched a movie last night, and I will shut up after this. We watched a movie last night. It's a pretty awesome movie. But there's one part of it that really hit me. It really hit me. It was a young man who was having to take care of his mom while she struggled with addiction. It hit me personally because that's how I grew up. Both of my parents struggled with addiction. So instead of just being a normal child, you know, about eight years old, I was taking care of my parents. I was making sure they had what they needed and they were sustained. Now, here's the thing, though. This is Good Friday. Amen? This is Good Friday. So this is not a sad story because when I saw that and when it hit me, it hit me with joy. It did not hit me with being upset. Why? Because men and women now through bridge tenders will be helped, will find love, will find resurrection, not resuscitation, resurrection to where now they are going to be strong fathers, strong mothers. And no child is going to have to go through that. When we see a child taking care of their parents, struggling in addiction, now that's going to be on TV. That's not going to be in real life. So when you hear from these men who are working so hard and following God's word in order to do what they're doing right now through Wesley House, think about that. Because you never know who you're shaking hands with on Sunday. Amen? All right. Thank you all. Love you all. Y'all, Joseph Parkman, the one and only. I mean, I don't even know. He just might dropped it. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to tell you a little bit of the journey um, that has led me here, and it is, <laughs> it is crazy. Um, so just, just to give you a little heads up, if you see the guys walking around here that are talking to themselves and they are crazy as a loon. I was addicted to meth and heroin, and I was them. And Jesus came to me, and instantly I was set free. So when you see them, look at me. Remember me, because that's who they are. They are set free kids of God. So anyways, um, so like Bob was saying, and actually in the first part of December, I reached out to Josh and Bob. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to come to Selma. I would love to partner with you, but I'm coming anyways because I feel like I'm supposed to pray for revival in Selma and prophesy over the city. So I come. week later, disaster hits. Um, that weekend, I come back. I had promised to bring some supplies. I couldn't get what I wanted, so I brought what I had. And then the next week later... I'm sitting in the Wesley house <laughs> and I'm listening to the ideas and, and the hearts of men that want to help my friends. Um, whew, here we go again. So in August, I had an encounter with the Lord where I had been asking for years and years for him to break my heart. And so... The crying is, he went exceedingly abundantly more than I thought. So I will cry, um, which is good. But in December, there was a journey where, and the Lord said, will you give me your family back and do whatever I ask you to do? Which is a bold statement. And it's in the Bible where he is asking someone to leave everything you know to follow me and to trust me. And I, he had me vulnerable, and I said, yes. He said, good. And so that led into this journey of, of talking with Matt and like hearing about 
the Wesley House and what, what the dreams were. And in 2009, when I got through the addiction recovery program that I went through, I said, Lord, I want a place where men and women can be set free and become influencers of society, not just integrate, but influence. And that was, that was 15 years ago. Um, and so I pack up things that I need here and blindly come here um, like a crazy person. And I, I, had, I had no agenda when I said yes to this. Um, and then I spoke with uh, the, the men and the board of bridge tenders and what, what, they, what they wanted to see done. And I, I said yes to, to the director position of that because I have a big dream. I have a big dream of what it looks like to influence and to rebuild a city, to see Isaiah 61 fulfilled through the brokenhearted, the set free. That's how we rebuild the city. So long story short, I moved my stuff. <laughs> so crazy. And I'm living in a camper. <laughs> I left a job that was extremely... In the, in the season we are right now in, in, in America, everything that I should be doing right now, I literally am doing the opposite. I left a very cush job making really good money to move here with, and left my family still in Atlanta uh, doing some things that they need to do there, blindly coming here with all I know is Jesus said, come, and I said, I'll go. So now, you know, I've, I've seen the miracles that are happening here are miracles that will happen all around the world because to hear that the students in a public school are having revival, that's going to spread across the whole nation. And we're going to see kids influence. So, so the Wesley House is a dream. It's a dream that has taken years to be fulfilled. But it is an honor to see friends be set free and influence the city. I mean, he's a journalist of the city. Come on. He's literally influencing it with his words. So thanks for accepting me. Thanks for loving on me. It's, it's a crazy journey, but sometimes he just asks you to do really ridiculous things, and you just have to say yes. Wanted, uh, real quick before I get Jimmy, if you want to come on down, we want to recognize bridge tenders. Um, Wesley House will be part of bridge tenders, and bridge tenders started years ago with some people in the community that wanted to help people in addiction and wanted to help people with recovery. And uh, there have been some people that have been really involved in that for years. Uh, Roger Stewart has helped, helped it go. David Nichols at Cross Point and Mike Bracken at Cross Point. Uh, and they've been operating a house called Joshua House for years. Uh, and anyway, that's going to probably become a women's house, and Wesley House will be the guy's house. So lots going on with that. We want to recognize those guys and bless them too because they've been doing good work for years. Without further ado, I know, Lee, I heard you like public speaking and particularly singing in public, which I would be like a fainting goat if I had to sing in public. And so I know you're going to sit back there, but everything that we're saying about Jimmy, we're saying about you too. Y'all give it up for Jimmy Sidden. I thought I was coming up here to play the drums. I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, uh, I didn't really have that much to do with all of this. I mean, we have a building. It was not being used. 
Um, I heard what it was wanted to be used for, like probably most people in here uh, would have done exactly the same thing. Uh, I had no use for it anymore. I've moved to the Birmingham area because uh, my whole family's there now, my son, my daughter, my first grandchild. But I was tickled to death when Bob called. Um, I did have a few offers uh, from people to buy the building, but uh, I thought it was worth more than that. And, and obviously I found out why I thought that, because it turned out to be worth a whole lot more than, than I realized it was worth. Um, so I hope that appraisal's kind of on the high side. <laughs> so, when I, so, you know, when I do my tax return next year, but anyway, um, and I want to mention Kent Brooks, Nancy Powell Brooks. Uh, they're playing a big role, our best friends uh, in Birmingham now, and Nancy's known her forever, and Kent's a great guy. Um, but he uh, sells furniture, um, big time, uh, wholesale, across the United States kind of deal. And in talking with him, uh, out to eat one evening, boy, he jumped right in and said, I want to be a part of that. And uh, so uh, he's, he's actually doing more than I did. He's going to furnish the entire house with whatever they want. Um, and along the way, Kent mentioned to me that he was talking to one of the I guess one of the wholesalers or, uh, and found out the, the fella, he was telling him what something about Wesley House and uh, getting the furniture for it. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kent, but the guy said, hey, uh, I've got this business, this uh, wholesale business, and all of my employees are recovering addicts. So that just came in line with all this other thinking, you know, and, and he, if I recalled you saying, is going to play a big role in furnishing the house also. So people, uh, you know, they, they hear these things and what's going on and want to be a part of it. And uh, not, for, not so I can stand up here and talk about anything I did, but it's just a great thing uh, that, 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 uh, that's being done down there. Um, course Wesley House. I can't, I'm not going to talk about the name and all because I won't be able to stand up here and talk. Uh, but it's named after my son, Wesley, who did commit suicide and he's gone. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. But uh, anyway, it was, it was all because of drugs. Uh, he was a great guy. Oh, just a uh, but you know, it's like, uh, I, I can't really understand it, but it's like, uh, you know, some people can have some drinks and enjoy having a cocktail, this and that. They're not alcoholics. They don't become alcoholics, but some do. Well, Wesley uh, was an addict. He didn't, he didn't have the choice. Once he tried it, he, uh, I know Bob don't want to hear the whole story again and all that I told, but. We tried everything we could, and anyway, he ended up, uh, after one failed attempt of committing suicide, he did later succeed. But anyway, that's so, I didn't mean to get off on that, really, but anyway, uh, I, you know, that's, that's why I'm a part of it, and I pre appreciate being able to be a part of it. You know, um, to follow that up real quick, uh, when Jimmy Jimmy came to Selma and we were over there at the house kind of messing around and Jimmy said, hey, if you need me to sign something or do something, yeah, I'm in Selma. And I said, well, why don't you come by and check it out, you know, and, and see. So he did and, and Jason and Dan and myself were over there 
and uh, we showed Jimmy around the house, and he was oohing and aahing, and we stopped in the uh, little dining room. We'll never forget the moment Jimmy started talking about Wesley. And we, there's like the oxygen left the room. You could have heard a pin drop. I didn't breathe for about two hours. It was amazing. And we just could see the pain and just got a glimpse of how hard this has been. And, uh, and Jimmy, when he stopped, he said, the only thing I want out of this, the only thing I'm asking, he looked at Dan and Jason, he said, don't waste this opportunity. And I told Jimmy that the, one of the first things you said, Dan, when you came in the house, you said it to Jason, you said, this is hope. This is what hope looks like. It's the resurrection power of God for us that is working through us and in our midst. This is an example of it. This is what resurrection power looks like. This is what revival looks like. It's happening at R.B. Hudson. It's happening everywhere. It's happening at Wesley House. I remember hearing a song one time that Chuck Colson, he had a quote. He said, he said, our hope is not in what our government can do and the laws they can pass or the great things we do as a nation. He said, our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. That's where our hope is. So to the Siddons family this morning, we honor you. We bless you and we're going to pray that today in a new way that you would receive healing the Isaiah 61 scripture that says he came to heal broken hearts. We're not going to make a big deal and get y'all to come down and weird you out and all that. But we're going to pray for you. And we're going to thank God for y'all and ask that what you've done selfish, selfish, selflessly will initiate a healing process for you guys that will go to the very core of your being that you can finally reach resolution. And we thank you. There'll be more people. We will keep you in, in, in the loop, but thank you for being a part of the miracle of Wesley House. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, we're going to pray. And uh, Lord, right now, we just thank you. Thank you that you are moving. You're alive, that you are, you're a conqueror. We're more than conquerors through you, Jesus, because you kicked Satan's tail, no doubt, and you're still doing it. And we believe, help our unbelief, but we believe, and this is one example of how you are triumphant in our world. You're taking back the ground that the enemy has gotten. You're taking it back, and you're using things and people like Bibles at... R.B. Hudson and Wesley House and bridge tenders and all those, those kinds of things, drug courts and stuff, you're using that to advance your kingdom. Thank you for that, Lord. And we recognize it. We believe and we want more. Use us for more. Use us for more. We're willing. And Lord, I want to pray that we all together join our hearts for the Siddons, for the incredible tragedy and hard thing that they've had to deal with with Wesley. I can't even imagine, Lord. Now, you came to heal broken hearts. And I know if I can put myself in their place and know what would happen to me, my heart would be broken. But, Lord, you came to heal broken hearts. And we believe that. And so today, supernaturally, you are here, Jesus, we ask you to move right now on the Siddons and in ways that they have not been able to experience it yet to heal their broken hearts through the resurrection power of Jesus. We bless them and pray that you would, you would bless them and the brooks a million times over for the generosity and the the sowing of seed into this vision. We thank you for everything you've done to make it happen. And we pray for bridge tenders, 
We bless Roger, who's been so faithful and is still so faithful with Bridge Tenders. Just behind the scenes, thanklessly, keeping things going, keeping the plates in the air. Thank you for him and, and David and, and David Nichols and Mike Bracken. We pray for them. And Lord, for everybody involved in this, Joseph and all the people that will come through here, bless, 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 bless. And favor, 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 favor. And we pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.